This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, tonight I'm going to be talking about how to make time to fellowship with the Father. Make time to fellowship with the Father. And I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore. They won't be on the screen because uh, we weren't able to get them up there. But this is called How to Turn Hopeless Situations Around. How to Turn Hopeless Situations Around. If you've ever been up against the wall and didn't know what to do, well, this book here is a really good uh, step-by-step instruction of the Word of God. How to get God to show up when you need Him. How to make changes, adjustments in your life. How many know that there's ever a problem getting answers to prayers never on God's end, it's on your end? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in Malachi chapter 3, God said about himself, I'm God, I change not. So if he's not going to change, and something needs to change, guess who has to change? Has to be us, amen? Well, that's a good book on that. Then here's a, here's a really good one. Prayers that avail much for new believers. For new believers. You know, I don't know about you, but I got born again when I was 28 and a half years old, and I didn't know anything about prayer. Somebody had to teach me. And so I praise God for good books, good pastors, good teachers to teach the Word of God how to pray. But then, you know, it's just like uh, swimming or anything else. Somebody could tell you from a book or from a video how to swim. But you got to jump in the water. you got to get brave enough to take a chance and do something. And so this book here has <clears throat> lots of scriptures and lots of things. And there's a lot of prayers that avail much books back in the bookstore on different topics and subjects. But the main thing I like about these prayers that avail much series is they have lots of scriptures to show you where to go to, to show you why you're praying, what you're praying, and how to pray to get results. And how many know that faith is what pleases God? Faith only comes one way, by hearing the Word of God. And so if you're going to be able to pray in faith, you have to know some scriptures, you have to know some Bible, and get them from your head to your heart. And when the Word of God goes from your head to your heart and produces faith and comes out of your mouth, then you get results. Amen? And so in these books back here, lots of other good books on prayer help you. And I'm thinking the Lord's lately been leading me more and more to teach on prayer in the services. Not something that I'm uh, conjuring up or thinking about. That's what I ought to do. But it seems like every time I go to my prayer closet now, he has me teaching on prayer. And I think about that book we've got that Mrs. Pastor and I wrote about what always precedes the major move of God. And prayer is the number one thing. And then God raises up leaders in answer to prayer. And then the body of Christ got to be in unity. So the Lord's more and more got me to heading in the direction of prayer now. And so tonight we're going to be talking about how to make time to fellowship with the Father. And open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. Thank you, Dylan. SMTI graduate. I went, I went, I went to Bible school with Dylan, didn't I, Dylan? Amen. Three years worth. It was good. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. And before I read that, I'm going to read out of Psalms 91. I was thinking about that as we're worshiping God. Because Psalms 91 in the Old Testament, verse 1, is actually saying the same thing that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. 
How many are familiar with Psalms 91? How many have said that Psalms, read that Psalm, prayed that Psalm? Well, Psalms 91 starts out by saying, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then verse 2 begins by saying, I will say of the Lord. And then he, what he said is, as he goes into that prayer closet, in that place of prayer, then he begins to come out talking about how big his God is, what God's going to do, how God's going to help, how God's going to save, how God's going to protect. But the very first thing is he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall bite under the shadow, under the shadow. And, you know, to dwell means to live. Where do you dwell at? Where do you live at? And so he said, when you've got a lifestyle that stands so close to, so close to God that his shadow's covering you, that's close. And I'm thinking about the heat. You know, we got we got a little far farm out in the desert. I got pistachio orchard. Pastor Dave talked about the fruit trees and stuff like that. Got a lot of trees. I got a lot of nuts on them right now. But as I'm out there walking around doing things and we got that really, really bright, hot sun, if I'll just step over close enough to a tree to get out of the shadow, immediately it changes my temperature. It changes what's going on. And it protects me from the heat of the open sun. And so I think about that. When the psalmist says that you abide under the shadow, that doesn't mean you're a casual church attender. That sometimes when things get hot, you come to church. That means you've got a lifestyle. You live close to God. That means you stay close to him every day in good times, in bad times. In the times you don't feel saved, it doesn't make any difference. I'm going to stay close to Jesus. I'm going to stay close. I'm going to live in that place there. And when you live that close to God, you're automatically at a place of safety and protection. Amen. And you live that close to God, and you feed on the Word of God, then like Psalms 91 verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord. What is the Lord? Well, He's my Savior. He baptized me in the Holy Ghost. He's my healer. He's my delivery. He's the one that gives me victory. He's the one that loves me and put his love in my heart to love others. That's what I'll say of the Lord. And whatever else you need to say, he's all those things to you. But it's kind of hard to say those things if you live far away from him. But when you're close to him, and you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking something. Back, back when we were pastors in Martinsville, the uh, captain of the police department and I were having lunch one day, and uh, I know I'm fairly big, <laughs> but the captain of the police department was about six and a half foot tall and about this wide, and he wasn't fat. And I looked up at him, one, you know, we sat there talking, I looked up at him. I said, Jeff, you know what? I would hate to meet you in a dark alley. You know what he said to me? If you're in a dark alley, I'm just the one you want with you. I will never forget that. You know, it's how we look at life. It's how we look at life. I thought, he's exactly right. If I was in a dark alley of the ghettos of Indianapolis, I would like to have somebody like that walking with me that wasn't afraid of the dark. Amen. And so that's that, that what Psalms 91 says. You live in the secret place of the Most High to abide under His shadow. That's why you can say, a thousand may fall at my left hand, which it says a few verses later in the psalm, a thousand may fall at my left hand, 
10,000 at my right hand will not come nigh me. Why is that? Because things start falling all around you. God's standing there, says he's got you covered with his feathers. It's going to get him first. That's not going to hurt him. Amen. That was free. That's not the notes or anything. That just came out. But anyway, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6 now. Keep it in mind that the psalmist said, you need to make it a habit to live so close to God that his shadow covers you. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and verse 6. Matthew 6, verse 5 and verse 6. And we're talking about making time to fellowship with the Father. And so Jesus said, And when thou prayest, when you pray, you should not be as the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and the quarters of the street, that they may be seen of men. That they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And so what he's saying, that as, as, as Christians... As praying people, we don't need to be phony religious people to be able to want to pray to other people. Because Jesus said, your reward is people going to pat you on the back and say, man, ain't he something? Man, isn't she something? Man, that woman there, she knows how to pray. Well, you know, but the key there, he says, to be seen of men. There's a difference. Now, when you pray in public, not to be seen of men, because you walk with Jesus, that's different. But if you're a person, as Pastor Dave talked about Sunday, a double agent. One foot in the world and one foot in the church. It depends on what the group is you're with at the time. You know, you might be with a bunch of people that like to drunk, like to drink, cuss, carry on, tell dirty jokes and things like that. You can fit right in with them and they don't know that you're a Christian because you're one of them. But then when you come to church, are you around Christian people? All of a sudden, you put on the Christian face. And you can pray, you can talk faith, you can talk Bible, do all kinds of things. And they think, man, this person is just one of us. And Jesus said, you've got your reward. You've impressed the people. But then he tells us in verse 6, the kind of prayer that pleases the Father. Verse 6, he says this. But when you pray, enter into your closet... Well, that your closet is your private place. It's not a natural place, so it can be. You can go in a closet and pray if you want to. When I first got saved saw this verse, I didn't know anything about anything. So I had a big closet, so I'd just spread the clothes apart, move the shoes out of the way, and would sit in my closet and pray. Because I wanted to be quiet. I wanted to get to a quiet place, and I saw Jesus say, go to the closet, so I went. And then later on, I learned that he's talking about a spiritual place. You can be sitting in the middle of the restaurant. And go to your prayer closet. You can be on your job going through a rough time. And close your eyes, whatever you're doing. If you're running a machine or something like that, if you're driving a truck, don't close your eyes. But you can be in a place with people all around you, what I'm saying. And you can, for just a short time, close your eyes, close everything out, and begin to talk to the Father and talk to Jesus. You're in that secret place then. Amen. You're drawn close to Him. And matter of fact, a verse to write down is James 4, 8. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. And so that doesn't make any difference if you're in church. If you're in your car on the way to church and you're praying, don't close your eyes while you're driving. But you can sure fellowship while you're going down the road. And wherever you're at, they said, you draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to you. Said so all you have to do 
is start talking to him. And immediately, his presence shows up and things begin to happen. And so he says right here, when you pray, enter your closet, that secret place of the Most High, and when you've shut your door, now look at this, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Open reward. There's a difference between man's award, which is to pat you on the back and talk about you, what a spiritual giant you are, and how holy you are, and how great you are, and God's reward. What, what open reward is, is answers to prayer. You pray for the sick, they get healed. You bind the devil, and he's bound. You pray for the wisdom of God, how to talk to somebody, and the wisdom of God comes out. That's open reward. That's open reward. You know, anybody, anybody can talk. Politicians can talk. The Lord told me one time the difference between a politician and an anointed man or woman of God, because they both speak a lot of words. That's what the, the politician's life's based upon words. A preacher's life's based upon words. The difference is when a politician talks, unless it's a born again Christian politician walking with God, but a politician talks really doesn't do much for people. You know, they might, they might think, man, that's really awesome. But when a man or woman of God talks, there's anointing. And when anointing comes through the words of a man or woman of God that knows God and walks with God, people get answers. You know, I, I can't, over the last 40 years, I can't count the number of times when I've left a church service and had a half a dozen people tell me, you were talking right to me. You, that, that's what I was praying about this morning. That's what I was thinking about this morning. You were talking to me. How did you know that? Did my wife talk to you? How did you know that? Did my husband say something to you? I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I walk in the shadow of the Almighty, and I talk to my Father in secret. And before I preach, I always pray along the same lines. Father, I ask you to look at that service and see who's going to be there. You already know. And now that we do things on the Internet, I say, Lord, look out there at all the people's watching us on the Internet and see what they need to hear. And then I even say this, I've added this to it because these things go out there forever. They're on the Internet. I say, Lord, look in the future at who's going to pull this up. And if there's something they're going to need to hear, then I ask you to use me tonight and put those words in my mouth so they'll come out and help them. So that's the difference. When you've got a man or woman that walks with God and they speak, it's not a politician making maybe promises they mean to keep or making phony promises to get elected. All it does is make people think that they like him, that man, I like what they said, but with the anointings in a man or woman of God that really walks with him, that people get answers. People get help. Things change. And now not just talking about preachers, talking about believers. Talking about you. There's many different kinds of prayers the Bible teaches. And tonight we're just going to be talking about fellowship with the Father, because no matter what you're praying or how you're praying, and you know, I don't know what your different levels of spirituality are, but there's the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith when you pray and speak to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast to the sea, and you speak to things, and you expect change to happen, and change happens, that's the prayer of faith. You got the prayer of petition. The prayer of petition is what really that's the prayer that probably ninety five percent of believers pray because they don't know any better. It's the Jimmy prayer. My name's Jimmy, I'll take you all you give me. 
Lord, bless my forward no more. Just praying and asking all the time. God do this and God do that. And God do this and God do that. I need this and I need that. In Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus' name, I need this. That's a prayer petition. That's one kind of prayer. Then you got the prayer of consecration. The prayer of dedication. And that's what Jesus prayed, the prayer of Gethsemane. He didn't pray that prayer all the time. But he prayed the prayer some of the times. And we need to know how to pray the prayer of dedication, consecration, when we need to. In other words, Jesus was getting ready to go through a hard place, and he prayed, Lord, I really don't want to do this, but if that's the only way, not my will, but thy will be done, I'll go through with this. And there's sometimes in a believer's life, you've got to be able to consecrate yourself and dedicate yourself to what God wants you to do. You're walking close enough with him. You know, there's a serious situation you're getting ready to go into. And he tells you in your heart, in your heart, you know where he's at. You know, this is what he wants me to do. I've got to go in there to these people and talk to them. I've got to humble myself and eat crow, and I really don't want to do this. And so they say, Lord, is there any other way? And he lets you know, for you to fulfill the plan and purpose of God for the season you're in, you have to humble yourself and do things you don't want to do. And so you have to know that prayer of dedication. And then there's a prayer of thanksgiving. And that, 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 that's just sometimes just thanking the Lord for his blessings. Thanking him for what he's done. Thanking him for what he is doing. And thanking him what you're wanting him to do for the future. Being able to just pray and just be a thankful person. And you know, sometimes when you go through a hard time and you don't know what else to do, it's just got to be a thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I got a hair on my head. Thank you, Jesus. I got a car to drive. Thank you, Jesus. I got a house to go back to. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I got a job. Thank you, Jesus. It's just that prayer of thanksgiving. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Just be thankful. And then there's a prayer of worship. Prayer of worship. It's just sometimes just getting down on your knees and just raising your hands and just start singing to him, praising him, telling him how great he is, how awesome he is, how much you love him. Oh, I worship you, O Father. You're the only one. You're the only one. There's nobody like you. And so there's lots of different kinds of prayers. But I want to say this tonight for the way the Lord's got me going. If you don't have fellowship with the Father... It's going to be hard for you to pray any kind of prayer. And as I was fellowship with the Father this morning, I was thinking about the times we live in. Uh, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, I don't know if America's ever been heading in the direction it is right now. We've had a lot of bad things in America over the years. Where we are right now is really very, very serious. And without divine intervention... I don't know the future of this country, but I know this. The Bible says one will put a thousand to flight. Two will put ten thousand to flight. The Bible says, if any two shall agree on anything that shall last and be done for us by the Father in heaven. And as I read the Old Testament and even the book of Acts, when believers had a relationship with the Father and they knew how to pray and they got along, and they prayed together, God moved mountains in their nations. God caused kings to fall and new kings to rise. God caused lots of things to happen, and sometimes it happened very suddenly, but they happened because believers were not what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 5, hypocrites. 
They like to have fake prayer. You know, that just buys me a sudden. Back at Christmas time, back at Christmas time, had a bunch of the grandkids together and things going on. And one of them was crying on this side of the room. We got, we got eight kids and lots of grandkids. I mean, lots of grandkids. And we were in that room and one of the grandkids was crying. And a little four-year-old grandkid was sitting right there on my lap, said, Grandpa, that's a fake cry. I said, what? said, that's a fake cry. said, I can do that. I said, you can't? How you fake cry? He <laughs> I thought, wow. And, you know, I'm thinking about Christians. There's a lot of fake prayers. Yeah, that's a fake prayer. <laughs> What's a fake prayer? That's a hypocrite prayer. That's a prayer just try to act like you're something you're not. I remember when I went to Bible school back in 1983. I had a Bible school teacher teaching on prayer, and he made this statement. And I never thought of it till then, but then I, I saw it, thought I want to make sure I never do that. He said, don't con God. He said, a lot of people can con a lot of people, but said, don't try to con God. you got to come clean with God all the time, because he knows. Amen. And so that that's a hypocrite prayer. So anyway, Jesus said, go to your father in secret, and your father which hears you in secret, sees you in secret, he'll ward you openly. I want answered prayers. If I pray for the sick, I want them healed. If we're in a bad financial situation, I want to turn around. If we got strife in the family, strife in the church, I want to take authority over the devil and walk in love and see harmony come back into my home or in my church. How about you? Amen. And so anyway, a key ingredient to all prayer is to have a personal relationship with the Father through Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. I want to say that again in case you want to write that down. I wrote that down this morning. I thought, man, that sounds really good. Listen to this again. A key ingredient of all prayer is to have a personal relationship with the Father through Jesus. Because Jesus said, nobody come to the Father but through me. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, and of course Jesus teaches in the Gospels, and Paul does, that the Holy Spirit's the one that helps us pray. He's the inspiration behind our prayers, but it's always to the Father in the name of Jesus. And so we as believers had to develop that relationship because Jesus said right here, you pray to your father in secret. And I'm going to say this one more time. I can always tell, I can always tell when I'm with people I don't know how close they walk with the father. We go to prayer over a meal if it's dear God. I thought, wow, they don't know the father. He's God to them. When you walk with the Father, as you're born again Christian, you walk with the Father, it changes from dear God to Heavenly Father. And so, I want to say this. He may be God to the world, but He's Father to the church. And, you know, to me, that would be like one of my kids all the time talking to me and say, Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. I'm not sir. I'm dad. You know, that, that, kind, that kind of really would insult me if my kids were so distant from me they had to call me sir and not dad. And so I think about the father. 
when people don't know him, or people are ignorant about how to address him, it's just like Paul said in the book of Acts, said he winks at some things. But he expects us, we become born again at some point in time to shift from dear God to Father, I love you. Father, thank you for my salvation. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Father, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. You understand what I'm saying? And what I'm talking about is developing an intimacy in prayer with the Father because Jesus did not say. He said, pray to God in secret. And God in secret words, you me, said the Father. Is this helping anybody? Well, I know that where my heart is, my heart's this. Everybody knows my age. We just had my birthday. We had a fun birthday time Sunday, 70 years old. And so, at 70 years old, I've still got a bunch of years to go. I've got a lot of fruit to bear yet. And the fruit from my orchard is Christians that are discipled and grow strong. And so, I know that my part in turning America around is helping Christians to grow up spiritually. And one of the ways Christians grow up spiritually is learn how to pray. And tonight we're talking about a key ingredient of prayer is learning how to fellowship with the Father through Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty good, isn't it? Mr. Pastor, we have to write another book. That would be a good one in the book, won't it? That would be the first, first book after, after the major move of God, prayer, leadership, and unity to write a a book on prayer. Anyway, you can only have this by fellowshipping with him in private. With him in private. If your only prayer time is occasional prayer, you pray over a meal. If somebody's watching in a restaurant, that's not fellowship with the Father. You know, I don't know about you, but ever since I found out in 1980 that Jesus was real, I have basically prayed over everything I eat. If I'm, if I'm with a group of people, nobody else is praying, I close my eyes for just a few seconds, bow my head. I say, Father, I want to thank you for this peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I want to thank you for blessing this, Lord. It's going to do good, not harm. This is good for my body. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look up and start eating. But I just, I want to, I want to walk close to him and he wants to be involved with everything I'm involved with. And so I do everything I can to keep that door open. Mrs. Pastor been married to me for <laughs> be 39 years this year. Have you ever heard a night go by that I didn't say goodnight to all three of them? That's the last thing she hears before the lights goes out. I developed that habit when I was a brand new Christian. I've never walked away from it. I was, I was single at the time. And when I found out Jesus was real, I didn't have anybody else say goodnight to. I said, goodnight, Father. Goodnight, Jesus. Goodnight, Holy Ghost. And so now... All these years is, good night, Janice. Good night, Father. Good night, Jesus. Good night, Holy Ghost. I'll see you in the morning. Amen. You know what I am when I do that? I'm talking to my Father in secret. I'm not asking Him anything. I've been expressing my love to Him. Amen. And so you can only have this kind of intimate fellowship by fellowship with Him in private. Now look at Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. And anyway, in my prayer closet today, I was thinking about about all the different, uh, you know, I don't know how to say it any other way, all the fake news there is. There's a lot of fake news, a lot of bad news, a lot of phony news, a lot of things out there 
that are designed by the devil through people to destroy America. And so I was thinking today, when I was praying in my prayer closet, I said, Lord, you said Jeremiah 3.15, you give your people pastors with your heart to feed them of knowledge and understanding. At Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11, you said you said apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the church to equip the saints for victorious Christian living. And so, Lord, I purpose to do what I've done all these years at a higher level to equip your people know the difference between counterfeit and real. There's a lot of things out there right now that are very wrong, very phony, and a lot of born-again Christians have been sucked in hook, line, and sinker. As a matter of fact, Isaiah said, and then Jesus said the same thing, they're like sheep going to the slaughter. And so we as Christians, our number, our number one thing we can do besides being Christians is learn how to pray. And so that's my purpose in teaching what I'm doing. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion. And my center column says in the Greek that word communion is actually fellowship. If you've got another translation, a modern translation, it probably says fellowship. It says, And the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost. Fellowship of the Holy Ghost. Be with you all. Amen. And so what this is saying is this. You are supposed to be able to fellowship with the Holy Ghost of God. God the Father is in heaven. Jesus Christ the Son is at his right hand. And the representative of the Trinity, the Godhead, is on earth. We get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Before we speak in tongues, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, water baptism, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Ghost in Romans 8, 14 says, for the ministers are led by the Spirit of God. That's the Holy Ghost. Are the sons of God. In John chapter 14, verse 26 says the Holy Ghost will teach us and show us things. John chapter 16, verse 13 said the Holy Ghost will talk about Jesus and he'll show us things to come in the future. We as believers have got to learn how to fellowship with the Holy Ghost. And according to what the Bible says right here, I'll say it this way, it's the will of God and the heart of the Father for believers to fellowship with his representative on earth, the Holy Ghost. That's his will. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Holy Ghost. There's gifts of the Holy Ghost. And then there's anointing of the Holy Ghost. And then he says right here, we're to fellowship with the Holy Ghost. He says the, the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the fellowship, the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all. And, you know, years and years and years ago, something that really helped me, probably probably about 35 years ago, Benny Hinn had just been on the scene not too long. He came out with a book called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And I bought that book. And I studied that book. And that taught me a lot of things. But I want to tell you, just as easy as I can talk to my wife and say, I love you. I'm sure glad you're with me. I can say, Holy Ghost, I love you. 
I'm sure glad you're with me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, says we've been sealed till the day of redemption by the Holy Ghost. And then the, uh, the Living Bible says the Holy Ghost, that verse says, he's the one that Mark says to be present on that day. And so we, as Christians, if we're going to become intimate with the Father, we got to start knowing the Holy Ghost. Amen. we got to start knowing the Holy Ghost better and better and better and better. How are you going to walk, know, know His leadings in your life about what to do if you don't know Him? You know, I, I, th- I think about uh, Romans 8, uh, 16 says the Holy Ghost bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. He's the one that in your heart lets you know. You know, even Christians that don't know the Bible yet, when they truly get born again, somebody asks them, how do you know? Well, they can say, I know that, I know that, I know that, I know. But how do you know? Even if they don't know the Bible yet. Because the inside changed and the Holy Ghost is in there. He bears witness. They say, well... I, I, I'm new at this. I don't really know much Bible yet, but I just know. I know. Well, how do you know? Well, I know that I know that I know that I know. But once they learn the Bible, it's called Romans eight sixteen and many other places says he bears witness with your spirit. And so we as believers in our prayer closet, as we're drawing draw nigh to God, as we're knowing the Father, we have to know the Holy Spirit's the one in there helping us do that. And so he says, fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost. And because, because John, John 14, uh, John 16, 13 says, he brings to our remembrance everything he said to us, that I know that lots of times where there's something I'm dealing with, not so much now, because I mean, I've grown so much now that I just automatically know verses, but if I don't know them, what I did, what I started off, I say, Lord, you said the Holy Ghost would bring that to my remembrance. Where's that at in the Bible? And he would show me. Or if I was talking to somebody, you know, somebody's coming to me, what, what, a little counselor or something like that. I say, well, Lord, what verses could I give these people to help them know what to do? And depending on the Holy Spirit. So I'd say, Holy Spirit, is there anything in there on that that I know? And if there's not, thank you for leading me to where to go to get the verses they need. We've got to know the Holy Ghost, guys. Amen. To fellowship with Him. I want you to look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. And we're talking about fellowshipping with the Father. Make time to fellowship with the Father. And you know, I would never go to my prayer closet, you know, if I'm on the job or something, that's one thing. But never to have a session with the Lord without my Bible and my journal. If somebody is going to talk to me that's an important person and tell me something, I want to write it down. If I meet with Dr. Barclay, I've always got my notebook. Because if Dr. Barclay's giving me counsel, I'm going to write it down. I don't want to forget what he tells me. So in my prayer closet, I always have my Bible and my journal. If he's giving me direction for my future, I want to write it down. As I'm just giving you some suggestions what to do 
You want that intimate relationship, write things down. Matter of fact, Mrs. Pastor, in the last couple of months, went to my journal, beginning in January of 2005 up to what, May? Up to May, that's the year the Lord sent us from Indiana to California. As she went down there through months and months and months, entries and entries and entries, about what I was praying, what we were praying, what God was saying to be able to give us the faith to move from Indiana to California. And she made a little book out of it. She just gave it to the family. I, I don't know if she ever went anything else with it. But anyway, it's nice to know what God says to you in the past, isn't it? It helps you stay steady. First John 3.21 says, Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then have we confidence toward God. If our heart condemns us not, then have we confidence toward God. One of the most important aspects of fellowship with Jesus is honesty and a clean conscience. Honesty and a clean conscience. Don't try to hide anything. Jesus knows everything about you anyway. You might as well come clean. You know, I've said it this way before. Sin is a blessing blocker. Sin, unconfessed sin to him, asking forgiveness, will block your faith and your confidence to pray in faith and talk to him. If you do wrong, be quick to repent. It opens the door to rich fellowship. You know, I think about, I think about what th- th- this here verse is, I think, the main key verse out of many that gave me the faith to marry her way back in 1982. You know, I just was really wanting to make sure that I had the right direction. And so as I prayed and different people was against it and different people didn't want it, some, you know, et cetera, et cetera, had resistance out there in a lot of places. I said, Lord, I said, my heart condemns me not. I know you've given this woman to me to be my wife. And so I just want to thank you. Lord, I've got a clean heart. I've got a clean conscience. So with confidence, we're going to get married. And in your life, you've got to know with your fellowship with the Father that you've got to have a clean conscience about what you're doing and what you're about to do. And, you know, what, what I know, uh, basically for a lot of people I've tried to help and then to hear some people pray, they're in a serious situation and because they have a bad conscience with God because of how they live, it's, dear God, I need this, this uh, forget it. And they just walk away because they don't have an open pipeline to heaven. Amen. Amen. And we're talking about fellowship with the Father. One more place. You know, we don't have a lot of time tonight. I think I've, I've unloaded pretty good stuff. But one more place we've got to look at is Romans 14.23. Romans 14.23. And I actually put that up here on the Amplified Bible on the screen, Blake. Romans 14.23 Amplified. And this is, this, this is for help, helping you in your prayer life, to be able to get open reward for the things you do. Romans 14, 23, the last part of that verse in the King James says, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Has anybody ever heard that verse? Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. But in my life, from the Amplified Bible, when I've made some of my most strategic, serious decisions about things to do, that were actually risky, that if I stepped out 
and I was making a mistake, then there was no turning back. Has anybody ever heard the expression, burning your bridges behind you? Sometimes as, as a Christian, in a job situation, in a confrontation situation, moving to another city, or whatever serious decisions are, sometimes you're taking a risk that if you're missing God, you're in serious trouble. And so, it talks about this intimate fellowship. Romans 14, 23 in the Amplified Bible says, For whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. That is, whatever is done without a conviction of its approval by God is sinful. Whatever is done without a conviction of its approval by God is sinful. And so, I have many times in really, really strategic situations, and sometimes, you know, especially if it affects a whole church, you have to make decisions sometimes, and if it's a right decision, you got the blessing of God, things go really well, but if it's wrong, you can be in trouble. And so I've used this verse as a basis of prayer for making serious, risky decisions in my personal life and ministry for most of my Christian life. It's helped me. Now, here's the key. Why you've got to have a relationship with the Father like this. It's helped me to keep an open door to the Lord in case I started going the wrong direction. A lot of Christians, a lot of Christians, when they don't know what to do, instead of getting close to the Father, draw nigh to God so he can draw nigh to you, they say, well, I don't know what to do. I'm going to just do this. They say, the Lord, bless this. But if you're in the place where you have to do some things, you better get the place say, Lord, look at my heart. And you can see my heart right now. I have to make this choice. Time's against me. I've got this deadline. I've got to do something. And Lord, I've asked you. I've sought you. I've looked at your wisdom. And Father, in my heart, I've asked you to see me. Lord, if I don't do this, I won't be in faith. And so, Lord, I'm doing this in faith that what I'm doing is going to please you. But Father, if I'm not hearing right, if I'm picking up wrong, I'm asking you right now, look at me. I'm not being presumptuous. I'm really doing what I believe with all of my heart is going to please you. And if it's not, Lord, that I ask you to correct me along the way, and I just look at you for this. And I'm talking about having that intimate fellowship with him where you're honest, you're open, you're clean, and you've decided I'm not just going to be a church member. I'm going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow his plan, not mine. And so, therefore, I will know how to operate in my prayer closet. I will know how to communicate with the Father. And because of that, my life is not going to end in failure. I'm going to fulfill God's plan and purpose because I will fellowship with my Father. And I, if Jesus' sheep, I know his voice and he knows me. I will not follow the voice of a stranger. Amen. Amen. Anyway, so we'll, we'll shut it off there. But the uh, main thing is, if you're going to be a praying person that gets answers, you've got to, first of all, have that key ingredient. Know how to fellowship with the Father and have consistent prayer life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.